This is no ordinary pod. No ordinary pod. Yes, yes, it is. Noah, you're getting really great at that. You extended that a little bit. Felt some little baritone in there, a little soprano. Love it. But yes, welcome to the No Ordinary Pod on the Radio St. Pete Network and the soon-to-be No Ordinary Pod Network. Waiting for the logo to be... We did a little... Re- re- what's the <laughs> word? We keep changing up, but we want to make it perfect. And you know, summer's going to be a trial period for the big, the grand opening, as we, as you could call it. The red carpet will be rolled out all summer, and then August comes and we'll have football content. We'll have free agency content for basketball. We'll have everything rolling. But, Noah... How are you doing in this most likely human night in the in the state of Florida's capital? Yeah, really humid, but we finally had our first rainfall in 19 days. Um, it had been quite some time, so it's nice to finally get some rain back. All the grass is dead, so hopefully we can get that back going. Um, the high was only like 82 today, and we were bumping like mid-90s, upper 90s like the past three weeks. So I'm happy to just not be melting today. May feel it with the humidity, but not with the heat. Let's check what the humidity is, because I'm very, I'm very, very intrigued by that. Oh yeah, light rain showers tonight. We're done, and 96% humidity. But you look at the forecast the next four days. It's storm, 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 storm. So it's a typical Florida day. Tampa's hot, but it's not, it's not too hot. I mean, something about being working for Florida State football. Don't mean to self-plug myself or anything like that. But working for these teams, you're outside all day. You're outside from July through December. And then guess what? You get a nice little break from December to February where you're not really outside as much. And then bang, spring practice starts in March, right when the tide turns and the depths of hell and warmth ascend, ascend, descends right on Tallahassee again. But God, I love how we always talk about the weather. Um, but we're both, you're, I'm tired. You're not, you're not in a typical upbeat Noah mood, but I was thinking, and I'm like, you know, I'm doing my little workout, you know, trying to get myself summer ready beach bod 2019. Not like I, not like we care about that stuff anyway. Um, and speak for yourself. I mean, I mean, I remember we had a conversation off air. You're like, dude, I just want to be healthy. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent looking at my body looks, but you may have made a change, but I mean, I, I've just been healthy, and now my body's starting to look good. Exactly. So now I, I continue to be healthy, and my body continues to look good. Exactly. And, you know, I'm off my Utah vacation. Wait, the weight's gone. Working out a little bit. Walking in the summer. The calves are looking nice and tan. My hair's flowing. It's it's, it's a good time. Um, but I was sitting there doing my little workout right before this podcast, and I texted you. I'm like, man, I don't know if I, want to, I, don't know if I can go tonight. There's a good chance I can go. And then I'm like, you know what? This, is, this isn't the Fern podcast anymore, man. This is... No ordinary pod, and no ordinary pod rises up when they not feel like doing it. They get it done, and that's why we're here on Thursday night, nine twelve, recording this podcast. So, I had a couple things I want to talk about. How is? Can you just are you you're you're lifeguarding this summer, right? Any any um, PT any PT um what's it called? Athletic training. AT. Stuff? Sorry, yeah. Any AT stuff you doing? Um, not really this summer. No, I'm just kind of working lifeguard, taking classes. Um, I found out I'm working women's tennis in the fall today. So I'll be, yeah, I'm working with the women's tennis team. So trying to see if I can finesse my way into getting men's basketball for the spring. So fingers crossed, but we'll see what happens. Dude, can you get women's tennis again in the spring? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> dude I, french opens on right now i'm upset i'm working nine to five and i don't get to watch the french open but i mean man i love i love tennis not just women i don't want to sound like i'm a womanizer but at all trust me but i love men's tennis i love women's tennis it's just an awesome sport especially because we got we got federer nadal at 7 a.m eastern time tomorrow friday that is if you listen to this on saturday or after that sorry you'll know the result and then on sunday we got either Djokovic. Most likely versus Nadal or Federer. Great time for tennis. But you know how I told you about how my summer would be working at this golf camp? I just want to describe to you what my day is. There's 25 kids at most at this camp. I get there at 9. We talk for 30 minutes. You know, I don't talk much because we have, a, we have a, a camp. Not a leader, but a guy who's been there forever. And he talks about the core value of the day. You know, sportsmanship, courtesy, 
responsibility, respect, um, stuff along those lines. Then we go and stretch and play a game for 30 minutes. Like we play dodgeball, sound speedball. Then we go inside, you know, you got to get your kids, you got to get their snack, got to apply their sunscreen. They do that for 15 minutes. Then we go to the driving range and we hit driving range for 20 minutes. Then we go inside at snack time again for 30 minutes. Then we go outside, we chip and putt for an hour. Come back inside, it's lunchtime for an hour. Then you're like, oh man, it's lunch. How am I going to get the rest of the day? Oh, the rest of the day is, oh, I ride a golf cart around as all the kids walk at the golf course. We play four or five holes, come back inside, and we hang out for two hours, and my day is done. And you can't tell, my face is beaming, I'm tan, I'm feeling good. It feels good. It feels like a Florida summer out there. So, one more thing before we get to the stuff you need to talk about, because we're, you know, it's, it's, June 6th, there's there's teams that are reporting for mandatory camp in NFL. We'll talk a little NFL later. It's all NBA Finals. We're going to get the NBA Finals. But were you a basketball uh, – not a diehard. Were you like a big basketball fan when the Heatles were around? Yeah, you talk about the big three. Oh, yeah, the, the OG – not the OG big three because that was the Celtics, but the big three. Yeah, Bosh, Wade, LeBron. Yes, someone said – someone tweeted – um, I, you know, I follow a lot of Heat fans who became Heat fans in 2010, which is pretty much 95% Heat fans. And I saw this should be the, the like someone made a comment. It was the uh, 2013 team with Ray Allen, and they beat the Spurs, which is kind of a this is a perfect segue. I feel like the um, and they do their introduction, and it's seven it's this it's Seven Nation Army by White Stripes. I know every team has glorified that song and made it the rallying cry, but the Heat were the introduction thing. And that thing was so cool because Ray Allen do like an Ray Allen and Mike Miller do like a dance on the court. I know I'm just it's like little things like that get me hyped. But I feel like it's a perfect perfect parallel because we have the, we have the the end of a dynasty looming potentially as the Heat came back and barely beat the Kawhi Leonard Spurs. Not those weren't the Kawhi Spurs, but they won that the Ray Allen miracle shot. And then the next year was vengeance. Was just the Heat. Heat lose a close game one on the road. They win a close game two on the road. So it's 1-1 heading back to Miami. You think they're going to get get some at least win one of two. San Antonio comes in, smacks him around. Dwayne Wade wasn't as healthiest at this point. Game four, you're thinking, oh, Heat, rise up. Nah. San Antonio smacks him down again. Danny Green and Kawhi. And then game five, left no stone unturned and San Antonio won the title. So if you're understanding where I'm getting at, I feel like this could be the end of a dynasty, Noah. And that dynasty is the Golden State Warriors. And this was before Klay Thompson went down with the hamstring and Kevon Looney went down with his shoulder. So you and I, um, we, you told me to look at the tweet. Everything, all the reasons why you and I like Toronto are all coming to life, I feel like. Yeah, man, it was really fun watching game one and... Waiting, I was just waiting for Kevin Love to be posted up at the top of the key. He got the ball top of the literally, it was like within the first three minutes, he got the ball at the top of the key and drained a three. And I was like, Oh, here why we go. Why do you call him Kevin Love every here. time? I don't know. I don't know why I was seeing Kevin Love. Marcus All. Yes. You, you had you had me thinking on the whole LeBron, Kevin Love. It's the he didn't even play for the Heat. Marcus All. It's the other big white guy that plays that plays that's playing in the finals. <laughs> Yeah, my bad, my bad. Yeah, I meant uh, I meant Marcus Gasol. The better of the Gasol brothers. Oh no, no, no! Oh, hoo, hoo. <laughs> oh. you gotta look. Up, you gotta look up two thousands. That guy was that guy. People love the bash on Kobe, but that he people say that he deserved the twenty ten NBA Finals MVP when the Lakers beat the Celtics. Here they're near or there because with I don't talk about Kobe because I can't talk about Kobe and I don't want to go down the Kobe rabbit hole again because but if you want some greatness about the Kobe Kobe debate go listen to Gilbert Arenas on the No Chill podcast cuz that guy has a phenomenal basketball insight and I'll say one thing real quick is that I'll give the comparison M Jordan had a 46 inch vert best in NBA history which means everything he did was at an athletic level superior to Kobe you had a 38 inch vert the fact that he compared Michael Jordan to a Bugatti and Kobe to a Honda. And the argument for Kobe's greatness in this in the GOAT debate is the fact that in no world should a Honda be able to compete with a Bugatti. But because Kobe's so psycho, 
and Kobe has such a great work ethic and is, has so much talent. It's a conversation, and that's a testament to Kobe's greatness. But end run, back to Marcus All. You're a little, I feel, so, you're a little st- startled over there. I know. Sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't really ever think of Kobe being a Honda and Jordan being a Bugatti. What does that make LeBron? Uh, a, a a Jeep Liberty. <laughs> well, I I guess I guess just to hop into this uh, with NBA Finals and all and everything, you know, we got game, uh, we got game four coming up Friday evening, and game three was last night, and Steph Curry put on a show, as I kind of anticipated Steph Curry doing, but there was no way. I thought I was I was like there's no way that Steph Curry's overcoming a fully healthy Raptors team with no Clay, no Kevin Durant because their bench they're, they're just not deep enough there. So my 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 question to you is how how have you what has surprised you uh over these past 3 games uh both for the Warriors and the Raptors in terms of what has happened, what hasn't happened and do you see those things continuing or do you see them either team making adjustments moving forward. I don't really want to sound like I'm the doc, the James Naismith of basketball conversation and stuff these days, but I'm not really surprised with anything. Before I go on to why, are you really surprised about anything you've seen? No, you know, I'm, I've been, I didn't, everyone kept bashing Danny Green and not being able to hit threes, and I was like, I, I Dude's been here, done that. He's from the, like I'm telling you, that Greg Pop, having that yeah. experience, knowing like how to have the right mindset of going into a finals. Like Danny Green had that nice, that nice runner three he uh, at the buzzer beater last night, or yeah, as the shot clock went out, he's been balling. Van Fleet has been showing why he carried Wichita State for so long. Kawhi's just been locked down D, just locked down D, and th- like we talked about on the pod i thought that this series came down to how gasol played is gasol gonna knock down shots game one knock down shots they win game two couldn't hit was had made a brick house out of how many shots he did not make he's a brick game three mm-hmm. comes house sorry house <laughs> yeah no it's okay uh great song um, shout out the commodores but amen but gasol bounced back and balled out game three and there was always a slight chance that the Warriors were going to kind of make a run in the fourth quarter I thought you know there was always like oh you know if they're going to make a run here's their opportunity but they can't play good enough defense to stop the Raptors I not at least especially when you lose Clay Thompson you got no one to guard their guards as well as Klay Thompson can. Like, like one of the best two-way players, two-way guards in the NBA. And you lose Klay Thompson. Yeah, you lose his shooting, but you lose his defense more so than anything, in my, I thought, especially with no Durant. So not, I'm not all that surprised, you know? And, and I, hate, I hate to bring this up so quickly, but you, 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 are, you become what – I'm not calling Klay Thompson soft. I'm not doing it. But you become what you surround yourself with. And maybe he's been hanging out with Kevin Durant just too much, man. It's Kevin Durant. Is uh, uh, I'm, dude, I, you, I'm adamant about it. I'm adamant about it. You don't think he'd play if he, he's not even cleared to practice, man. And it's a calf. You, okay. Put on the AT. Put on the AT hat for a second. It's a calf strain. Can you? Because Clay has a hamstring strain. I don't know how Clay, how we're gonna get to how Clay, how he's gonna look in Game Four and Game Five in the future of the series. But hamstring strains can linger. What is making? Oh, hamstrings are the most unpredictable, the most unpredictable pull that you could have. For yes, lack so, of a better term. So can you please compare it to a calf strain and take off the softness? Try your best. Take off the softness cap. Put on the at cap, at cap. What? about the calf is making it so not even unpredictable but so hard to 
to dictate when KD will be coming back? I think it's the longevity of he's just so explosive. That's what KD derives himself off in basketball with every step. Every explosive step is going to start with activating your calf and pushing off the ground. And if he's not getting that push off the ground or he's feeling that push, feeling his calf pull when he tries to push, I don't think, I mean, obviously I'm not certified and I'm not one to speak on this. I'm not, it's just what I'm thinking from what I've been taking in classes and been around the football team. It's, I'm not saying it's a mental thing, but if you don't feel good, you're not going to play good. And if he feels like it's still pulling up, then he's not going to be able to push off and be confident with what he's doing. And so I don't think from what I've seen, I don't think it's something that would, I'm going to pull, I don't think it's something that could be worse injured. I think it's more of a pain management at this point. Um, and being able to play through that pain. And maybe there's a, obviously there's always a chance of re-injure, especially after you injure. But I would say it's the explosiveness of how much you have to use your calf when you're playing basketball and how much Kevin Durant relies on it. Like it would be different if it was, you know, a big man such as even a, even a Gasol or a Looney or even like a Boogie Cousins. You know, like they're not driving to the hoop. They're just kind of moseying down, down the court, setting a pick, rolling, getting rebounds. You know, they're tall enough. They don't really have to jump that high all the time but and same with Durant but Durant's skill set is based off ISO that's what he does best is put you in the ISO so mm-hmm. if he can't go into the ISO because his calf's holding him up are you better off and maybe he's looking at it as a career thing like okay if there is a potential for this to get hurt and be worse afterwards I don't want to risk that so that it gets worse in the future or that it becomes something worse than what he anticipates. But I think it comes down to him not being able to be as explosive for 30 minutes, 35 minutes, however however long he would play out of the 48, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's what it comes down to. And the fact that he had to do, he had to do double duty and guard Kawhi, on the, most likely have to guard Kawhi because there's no place to hide him because Siakam will attack, Gasol will post him up. You throw him on Lowry, Lowry, or Danny Green. That means that means Curry is going to be on someone, or a Hobble Clay is going to be on someone. So this is just a very interesting situation. But to go back to your original question, is anything surprising me? No. I always thought Toronto had the matchup advantage. Toronto hasn't even pulled out their 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 best lineup yet. We haven't even seen because you know what? This is this is something telling. I feel like, and I want to. I I wish I. I think I'm going to write about it. I don't know. I'm writing an article as he's trying to, I'm doing double duty. I'm podcasting. I'm writing. I'm watching Stanley Cup and women's volleyball, USA versus Brazil indoor. It's pretty nice. It's pretty, it's honestly highly entertaining. But what's, oh, this will be a little bit, a little bit, a little good back and forth to ask you. What has been the death lineup for the Warriors? Who is the catalyst that makes them the death lineup before the KD, now the Hamptons five? Are you talking Steph? I'm talking Clay. Ste- Ste- or are you talking? Did Steph, Clay, Iguodala, KD, Draymond. and Draymond. The, yeah. The person that makes that whole thing click is Draymond at the five. Anytime Golden State would get down. Draymond go to the five. When they had played the Rockets, this in before KD got hurt, they're st- you know what Kurt, uh, Steve Kerr went in game one, hyped and hand it's five. You guys are starting. I don't care anymore. We need you to get out and give us a good run. Give us some good. Give us a good base. Draymond can do everything, but you know what? He may is he may have met his small ball match, and that's Pascal Siakam. If Golden State, who has not gone Draymond at the five, a large part because they don't have KD, they don't have the wings, they don't have the shooting to un- or the defensive ability to un- to go to that lineup. But if they did, you know what? You know what Nick Nurse is going to do? All right, Siakam, you go to the five. Kawhi, you go to the four. Danny Green, Fred Van Fleet, and and Kyle Lowry. 
what are you going to do now? It's nothing. The Warriors... People say Houston was built to beat the Warriors. They were. They were constructed to beat the KD Warriors with their ISO switch and all that. But they're not the Raptors. The Raptors... P.J. Tucker is an, a dog. He's a phenomenal small ball five. He's not Pascal Siakam. He doesn't make you work on both ends of the floor. He doesn't make you... He doesn't limit... Draymond could play center field because Draymond would let P.J. Tucker get these shots off. Siakam, he can hit a corner three. And if you close out on a corner three, he's going to buy you. Oh, and Siakam's putting everyone and their mother in spin cycles in the post with both hands. And it's... Draymond's met his match, and it's Pascal Siakam. And it is awesome to see. And Steve Kerr, what is Steve Kerr going to do? They had the boogie game in game two. And where was boogie in game three? Here's the, you know, I realized after game one, we didn't even talk about boogie cousins. And then our preview. I had no idea he was coming back and playing in this series. I had an idea, but I'm just like, he's not going to matter. Game one didn't matter. The only, the only thing that was said about boogie was I said that he's essentially like the mountain of the NBA. (laughs) <laughs> he just kind of goes down bullies he just kind of goes down bullies you mm-hmm. uh because that's what he's so good but he, he ain't gonna defend and be all that much of a menace on the other on the other end yeah <laughs> and his <laughs> and his passing in game two was nice his passing he made some good defensive stops too but then in game three like oh the boogie wave's coming and then mark our man mark aka kevin love um just destroyed him down low boogie was so slow defensively that they brought Andrew Bogut in there, and Andrew Bogut was like, "Yeah, uh, like yeah, I'm probably gonna start Game Four because Boogie, you you're just you just can't move." And I feel bad. I feel bad for Boogie because his Achilles. Now he tears his quad, and he just can't catch a break, especially during contract years. Which is the word. It's like the Isaiah Thomas thing because no one's gonna pay Boogie the contract that he deserved over for his first part of his career, which which sucks for him in retrospect, but. When he's on the floor, he's going to get isolated. He's going to get destroyed. And I don't think his offensive... But the thing is, what are you going to do if you're Kerr? You have a hobble clay. This is, this is the... It's, just, it's so funny. The third score thing remains true. I'm going to look at the game two. Guess the, the Warriors have scored the same amount of points every single game in this series. 109. 109 in game one. They scored 109 in game two. They scored 109 in game three. Let me look at the boogie thing real quick. Let me look at the game two. And the only reason, not only reason because it happens every Golden State game, the only, they won game two because of that 18 nothing run to start the third quarter. It was crazy. It's what the, I'm literally writing a sense about it. There's three things guaranteed in life. Death taxes and Golden State destroying you in the third quarter on a run. Boogie had 11, 10, 6, and 2 blocks in game two. You really think he's going to do that in game th- in game three? Clay and Steph. I mean, look at this roster. They're playing Jonas Jerebko, Jordan Bell, Alfonso McKinney, Bogut, Sean Livingston, and Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook went three for five in game two. What did he go in game three? Oh, yeah, 0 for 2 from deep. Was a negative eight and got cooked on defense. No pun intended. I'm just... You look up and down. All right, well, let's play a little Would You Would You Rather. I'm going to name players, the players in this, in order that I think they're the best. I want you to tell me if you disagree with anything. This is them right now. So, you got Kawhi 1, Steph Curry 2. Who do you... I'm asking you. Siakam or Draymond? I know. Siakam or Draymond? Siakam. Okay. Siakam, Draymond. Maybe Clay. Let's go Clay. Just because they have three of the top five in this series, not counting KD. Then you're going to go Kyle Lowry, Gasol, Danny Green, Van Fleet. I mean, Ibaka in game in game three had six points, five rebounds, and six blocks and two steals, which were awesome. Yeah, two of them were goaltending, but I mean, hey, blinders on. I didn't say anything. Um then what? Are you going to go Iguodala maybe? You're not going to go Boogie. Livingston, no. It's just... 
This is this is the thing. I, I think I talked about this in the preview. We're just so enamored with the champion that we we're just like that. People are just so shell shocked that they're that a team, obviously, literally right in front of them. If you compare rosters side by side, one team is more talented, very talented. One team can play multiple styles. One team has can play multiple multiple lineups. And we're but we're still just so holding on to the champs, just holding on to what's awesome, what what has been so enlightening and cool to see, but it's not gonna happen. And I'm not a hot take artist, which is why I literally did not write on Twitter. You had to list our eleven listeners listen to the podcast. Thank you, and everyone I talked to the episode, and everyone listened on Radio St. Pete. It's it was gonna happen. Toronto was gonna win this series. They should have won Game Two which means they should be going for a sweep in Oracle. But we're not going to say coulda, shoulda, woulda. They're going to win in five. They're going to win tomorrow night. Golden State's going to come out swinging, and Toronto's just going to be easy just taking their time. taking their Tomorrow's the Kawhi game. Tomorrow's the game where Kawhi gets 45 points and says, doesn't say anything, I'm the best player in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't say a single thing. They laugh afterwards, <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> he, uh, the best laugh ever, man. Did you see? He, he, someone asked him a question. That, this is why media is just so interesting. This is why when you and I start interviewing people, I don't want to ask like anything. I don't even want to ask about their lives. I'll ask about their upbringing. I want to ask about their lives. But I just want to be like, hey, this is building for the future. Like, So say I have a ragtaggedy college player on. I'm like, hey, let's talk what you think about the sport. Let's not talk about fluffball questions like, hey, Kawhi, what's the importance of game four? You know what his answer was? Well, we win that game, we're up 3-1, and that means we have one more, and you have to win four to win the NBA championship, so it's important. What do you want this guy to say? But I love it. He went to the pop school of of, um, passive-aggressive answers, so I'm all for that. But, I mean, yeah, this isn't surprising to me. They have the best player in the series. They have the a lot better supporting cast, and they have had answers for everything. In game two, I texted I texted my boy Anthony, and I said, dude, Toronto is just so good. They have answers for everything. If Curry's on someone, they immediately throw a go in the post. And if that action's not there, they do another thing. They could get any shot they wanted, any shot. They settle for some pull-up threes, which I'm a, I'm a fan of because – if Kyle Lowry's going to shoot, I want Kyle Lowry shooting sixteen shots. This is the shot distribution for the Raptor starters: all five and double, all five and double digits. Siakam shot sixteen, Kawhi seventeen, Gasol eleven, Lowry sixteen, Danny Green ten. Danny Green was six ten from the field. All all six, all ten of his shots were threes. Love it. I love it, man. Love this team. But to answer real quickly. One question before you have before I let you ask any other questions is that one of the questions we asked was who guards Steph Curry? They had that answer. It's Fred Van Vliet. He started the second half instead of Danny Green because Steph went off for seventeen in the first quarter. Van Vliet wasn't on the court that much in the first quarter. In three games, he has guarded Curry thirty three point seven possessions. Curry has eight points per game when matched up on Van Vliet. He is shooting. 33.3% from the field and 22.2% from three. There's our answer. That's who guards Curry. Danny Green starts out. Van Fleet comes in. Kawhi doesn't have to do anything. Kawhi's chilling on defense, dude. Kawhi's like, oh, it's Iguodala. I can hang out in the paint. And then he's like, oh, I get, he, gets bo- he gets bored, and then he'll go guard Draymond, and then Draymond's shaking in his boots. It's This is how I love it, man. This is this is the best thing in the world to me. So and I'm ready for any questions. I'm ready for more Noah hot takes. Noah takes yeah. everything. Yeah, I'm um, um I'm curious. so let's uh let's be under the assumption that for tomorrow's game, Friday night's game, um KD's still out. He's already rolled he's um, already rolled out. Phenomenal. Um <laughs> don't, and don't do let's say don't do it. We're not doing him soft anymore. <laughs> I'm probably going to call him soft at least once or more, once or twice more on before we're done. <laughs> it's true, man. Like 
you have some guys that are not soft, and then you have guys that are soft. And when you're soft, it's hard to not be soft. Like it, it's just in your nature. But what can the Warriors do? Like, if there was a way for the Warriors to get back in this series, what would they have to do? And let's just say, let's assume Clay Thompson will play tomorrow night. Yes, he will be hampered by that hamstring. Um, but let's say he can play, and he let's say he plays. 28 30 minutes ah uh, is there any is there any way because to me this is to me i don't think the warriors have a chance at stopping the raptors on when they have the ball i don't think they can slow down the raptors the only way they can win is when the raptors literally just miss their shots game two but i think the raptors yes exactly but i think the raptors like you said can get any opportunity at any time, and no matter what they do, they can get a good look just about anywhere. It's just a matter of who's getting hot when. And they just didn't get enough people hot to on in game two. Is there anything that you could see, or if you're Steve Kerr, you're looking at this team, you're looking at what Toronto's bringing in for game four, what can they do to try and slow down the Raptors while also... And also, what help can they give Steph on the other end? Is there anything that can happen? Is see the the hamstring thing is very worrisome because Clay runs around so much on offense and defense, and that's the thing they need Clay's defense because they need him. Who are they going to put him on? They're going to put him on. If they put him on Kawhi. <laughs> that's funny. Um, they put him on Siakam post. They put him on Lowry. Lowry's just going to run screens for days and days and days and just run Clay into the ground. You put him on Danny Green, then you put Steph on Kyle, and then Steph's going to get tired. Because Steph played a very, very heavy load of 43 minutes. Took 31 shots. And now there's a one-day rest, and now it's back on Friday. So... Can Steph play high-level defense on Kyle Lowry, who is very confident now, who is riding a wave, said he had to be more aggressive in Game 3, was very aggressive, and kind of catalysted the Raptors to this victory, him and Marcus Gasol and Danny Green. Well, it's just, I don't see the defensive, with Clay and I don't see how they're going to, like you said, they're not going to stop him. So can they get scoring? Well, if you look at the Game 2 box score, they won 109-104, and the Raptors shot 28.9% from three. They got 11 for 38. You know what? Guess what? Guess how many three-pointers the Raptors took in this game? 38. They made 17 of them. Not much is changing. That's literally the only... Nothing changed besides they took the, they took the same amount of shots, too. They took... Let me look. They literally, yeah, they even took more shots in game. They took more shots in game two, but they're if if the Raptors are making thirty-five to forty percent of their threes, this series is over. It's not even a competition. And as far as getting the getting help for Curry, I mean, Iguodala and Green were both two for six from deep. Non-Curry Warriors were. Uh, six for 22 from three. Quinn Cook has to make shots. Do you trust Quinn Cook, Noah? It's like asking me if I trust Kirk Cousins. Oh, we're getting to Kirk later, buddy. We're getting to Captain Kirk later. Don't you worry. No, no. You, you, you can't trust... You can't trust... I don't think there's anyone on the Warriors outside of... The three that the outside of Steph, Draymond, and Iggy that you can trust to shoot the ball. But I mean, Iggy, maybe, maybe like Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell can't shoot though. He's only getting nine minutes a game. I, I I love Jordan Bell. I want Jordan Bell to go to a different team. The man with the shortest strides in the history of the NBA. Love him to death. But I mean, that's the thing. Quinn Cook played twenty-seven minutes. In an NBA Finals game. 
In game two, we played 21 and went three for five from deep, and they were very important. They were obviously extremely vital threes. But you saw what happens when there's a little more time to prep for him and 100% Clay Thompson's not on the floor because a little more attention on Quinn Cook. And when the floor has Draymond, Iguodala, Livingston, Jarebk, or McKinney with Curry and Cook, you're going to pay attention to literally two people. And you're going to pay attention to those two guys because they're the only two guys who can make a shot outside of 10 feet. Which is comes back to, yes, the three-point era is not controversial, but some people will fight back. Like, you got to have a mid-range game. Yeah, but what opens up the mid... You have to have an elite mid-range player to have a, a great offense and a chance of winning with that. That's the Kawhis, the C.J. McCollums, the old Mellows. Um, the Kobe's. Those were elite mid-range players. None of these guys on the Warriors are elite. Sans Kevin Durant, who's not playing. So, I don't see. I don't see. I don't want to. I'm. I'm very confident because mathematically and every single basketball factor favors Toronto, and that's what I'm going with because. If Curry goes six, if Curry goes for forty-seven again, guess what? Clay needs to still. If the Splash Bros do not combine for seventy points, they will lose. They didn't happen in Game Two. Well, we already talked about Toronto missed open shot after open shot after open shot. That's not going to happen again. I don't think so. You don't think so. So why are we going to trust a seventy-five percent Clay Thompson, Draymond Green? Iguodala, Boogie, Livingston, Curry, Bell, Drebko, McKinney, Damian Jones, Bogut, Quinn Cook, and Jacob Evans. Why are we going to trust them over what Toronto has been doing? Why would anyone on earth pick that roster? Yes, they're the heart of the champion, but the heart of the champion crumbles at the end, and we always hold on too long. Siakam, Leonard, Gasol, Green, Lowry. Van Fleet, Ibaka. That's that's a championship seven-man rotation. When you're going nine men deep in your rotation in the playoffs, you're searching for something. Guess what? The Raptors already found it, and everything works. And it is... I honestly love seeing teams click at the right time, and that's what Toronto has done this whole postseason. Let's just make, let's just make this a Toronto Raptors fan podcast. Let's just call it... <laughs> Above the six, man. I don't know what we're going to call it, but I love Masai Ujiri. I love Nick Nurse. Love Kawhi Leonard. I'm going to get Toronto tattooed on my back, man. That's how much I've been talking about him. Yeah, essentially. I think that's at the point that you're at. I really don't think you can go anywhere else but get a tattoo of Toronto on your back. You know? Yeah. Um, My, I don't, so you're sticking with Raptors and five. You think they win the next two. I never officially I said I wanted to and I think it's going to happen but I, I all I said remember Toronto's going to win. I don't want to jinx Toronto. I really don't. Because we've seen some weird stuff and you never know what's going to happen. But from what I what I've seen in every game this this so far with Clay being injured now although he's playing You okay? You play devil's advocate. You try to convince me. You put on your Golden State Warriors fan estimated 2015 hat, and you tell me. <laughs> you give me the scenario, or try to convince me why Golden State will win Game Four, not even the series. Why they will win Game Four? Part of it is the way sports works. Um, you typically get one opportunity. It, this is kind of what I've seen in, in, in basketball, hockey, uh, baseball as well. You kind of get one opportunity when you're on the road to win a game. Toronto had their opportunity game three. Is that window going to be open game four? Is Steph Curry going to allow that window to be open game four? If they can get Clay. The ball moving, moving the ball around. Draymond's gotta, Draymond's gotta be bigger um, on 
both ends of the both ends of the court, but mainly on offense. Um, Steph's going to do Steph. I think I think we're going to see another phenomenal Steph experience Steph game tomorrow. I, I I I if there's one person I can here's the thing, Steph Curry's going to shoot a three. It seems as if everyone anticipates it going in pretty much every time he pops a three. But if he misses it, his chances of hitting the next one are really high. So if they can, if Steph has the stamina to keep moving through game four and doesn't get locked down and somehow, some way they can scheme up that Van Fleet isn't as effective and Draymond or, and or Clay can give him some help, it could be tough to steal game four out of the Oracle, but this is a really hard conversation. This is a really hard argument for me to make because I really just don't think it's possible. Not if Clay Thompson was healthy, this would be a completely different conversation. But hamstrings are tough, and you never hamstrings are the. This is how someone described hamstrings to me in athletic training. The 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 weird thing about hamstrings is that you, as the athlete, whoever's hurt, might feel good to go. But you don't really know exactly where it's at until you test it. But you got to be careful about when you test it because it's very easy to, for for lack of a better term, pull again. And if it pulls again, you essentially just restart the clock of what you got to do for rehab and getting getting it back to shape. It's been since Sunday that Clay pulled his hamstring. Yes. So it'll be... Six, five, five days, a full middle of the week. I, that's cutting it. That is really cutting it and getting a hamstring back, especially with the style of play that Clay Thompson plays with. So, what you're saying is we need a, t- a typical Steph Curry game who just went for 47 points. Um, we need Draymond Green to hit threes who... Let me see. Who is currently shooting? Basketball reference. Come on. I don't care about the regular season stuff. Come on. Okay, here we go. Who is currently shooting? 20.8% from a three-pointer this postseason. Let's see what Andre Iguodala is shooting. Let's go down to the great old playoffs game log. Inspector Gadget. I feel like I'm Inspector Gadget trying to solve like an impossible case right now for the Warriors to why I am going to convince the Warriors win. Iguodala is shooting a nice 35.3%. And, like you said, hamstring injuries are... They scare me. They scare... They're... I mean, but Clay's as tough as it comes. The guy played on a high. High ankle sprains take, what, four to six weeks to recover fully? About, yeah. Okay, he played the next day. He had a one-day rest and played in the NBA Finals last year. Oh, so what you're, so what you're saying is Clay Thompson is not soft. I would agree with that. <laughs> he, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Kevin Durant would be playing through that. That's all I'm going to say. Last night was the first playoff game he's ever missed. Yeah, did you see? Yeah, since... They're, I saw the line. They had Monte Ellis. The last time Clay Thompson didn't play for the Warriors in a playoff game, Monte Ellis was playing for the Warriors. Yeah, he played 120 straight, which is crazy. But he missed one. Was so, And he wanted to play, but the Warriors were like, no, because if you do play and something happens, you're out for the series, and then we're really, um, really behind the eight ball. But, uh, dude. I'm t- do you, are you are you changing are you changing your prediction at all? That's a question I'd like to ask because from from seven to five, no. Okay, you're still sticking with seven. I think so. Um, assuming Clay Thompson can come back tomorrow, um, I think it's I think it's going to be five or six. I don't think it gets pushed to seven. Okay, especially if Kevin Durant doesn't come back. And the thing is, he's already ruled out. He's already he has to ruled practice. out. That's the thing. And he hasn't. And practiced. I was just um, 
talking about practice. This is, yeah, we talked about practice. Uh, Dr. David J. Chow, he's, uh, his Twitter is at ProFootballDoc. Um, I reference him as my uh, my Twitter doctor all the time. Top level, top level slant that he has going on. Yeah, he uh, f- just for credibility purposes, he is. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's an orth- he's an orthopedic surgeon, um, and he w- used to work for the San Diego Chargers as their team doc. Um, he saw the video of Kevin Durant uh, like high fiving his teammates as they came off the came into the locker room yesterday and they saw that he had a big bag of ice on the lower Achilles. So the lower end of his leg saw that too. And he, and he said, it's tough to have that. If the ice is there, that's where the injury's at, but that's a place that does not get a lot of blood flow to it. So if you're not getting a lot of blood flow, you're not getting the proper stuff to heal that faster, um, which is going to make it linger longer. So, it's all dependent on where the injury occurs, and it seemed as if Kevin Durant was is unfortunate and had it occur in a less than ideal spot on his leg. It really bothers. So me. I, it, it, continue. Sorry. I, I I guess my question is now. I mean, let's say let's say Kevin Durant would have been like eighty five ninety percent. And Clay Thompson could, was also like 85-90% for the rest of the series. How do you think it would go? Assuming Raptors are still up 2-1. What KD are we getting? I told you 85-90%. I don't know. Hasn't been hasn't played since didn't play at, against the Blazers at all been out for a while his conditioning can't be isn't where it should be or where it's use, usually at clay thompson's got a hamstring injury both let's assume they don't re-injure enough to get kicked out of the game or kicked out of the series because i think the Raptors would still win in seven because I think the injury to Kevin Durant would hurt his mental too much. <laughs> He's soft. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get I had to get oh, it in a second time. God. But I, I I truly think that I don't think I think a fully healthy Kawhi. Like he's been, like you said, Kawhi's going to have his game tomorrow, and I agree. I think that's a great take. Mm. I don't think an 90 percent Durant could keep up a whole game, 35, 40 minutes, with Kawhi going at him on both ends of the both ends of the floor. The main thing that, I think Kawhi would go ahead. Know, the eighty to five to ninety thing is is good because he'd be eighty five nine percent healthy, but it's the conditioning. That's the thing that would get him. The offensive side of KD would be so great because instead of having Sean Livingston out there, you'd have KD. So the so he can go out there and make a set three point shot. He can make a he can make a quick little pump fake, get by a defender, and pull it from mid range. That stuff happens, which means Kawhi is occupied on both ends, which means Kawhi can't just lurk in the paint and use those giant claws and those wingspans to get in and make deflections and all that stuff, impact shots. But yet again, if there's one, if you're gonna create a human being to stop KD, it's Kawhi. And we've seen what Kawhi Kawhi is fully <laughs> healthy. We've seen what Kawhi did to Jimmy Butler and Giannis. I mean. He didn't stop Giannis, but he clearly just just disrupted his flow. And did you see did you see the Kawhi quote? I saw it on Twitter about when he was in college. He didn't. He asked his coach, like, "I don't get help defense. Like, why do we have to do help defense? Like, I stay in front of my guy the entire time, and I don't need help. So why can't everyone else just stay in front of their guy and not need help?" It's literally what he said. Dude. Uh, that he does, and that's just how he plays basketball. That's I, how he plays defense. I love it. I love it, man. Board man gets paid, baby. Board man gets paid. <laughs> There's no one like Kawhi. There is literally not a human being on earth like Kawhi. Everything about him. Buckets. Buckets. I love, I'm glad that we got to see a little bit of Kawhi opening up. But, I mean, uh, all right. We went very long on that. So I'm sti- Go ahead. You're still sticking. I'm sticking, your- I'm, st- 
I know. You're going Toronto and I'm seven? Sticking, I think I'm going to stick with them. I think so, but I would not be surprised if it's five or six. So, I like that. They, you, you've watched some first take. You've watched some sports talk. If you're doing the, I'm sticking with it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, love it. That's, 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 um, that's veteran takesmanship over there. I. So you're saying you believe in the heart of the champion. That's, that's what you're literally I, going with Steph Curry and, and Draymond. All right. If Clay Thompson plays tomorrow, I think they can pull one out. You know what? I don't think that this series goes to seven. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Toronto and six. I think they get one more. I think Golden State and Curry will demand to get one more. All right. Maybe Toronto has a bad shooting night one of these nights, but so I'm going to go six. All right. I mean, ah, uh, all right. I'm sticking with five. I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not doing it. Won't be shocked if I had to put money on it. I picked Toronto to win tomorrow. I put, I picked Toronto to win game five. So that it is what it is, man. I'm looking, like I said, this has been an awesome NBA Finals. Awesome NBA Finals so far. Not just because I picked Toronto, not because I like Toronto, not because I root for Toronto, but my, I feel a little pride in my Canadianship inside me right now. It's two years I lived there, I'm like, you know what? I sat and ch- I worked in champ stores. I was the, the, the stock boy, stock man. I, actually, I was I was the stock leader. I want to give myself give my title a little bit. I don't be a stock boy, um, but but we would get Warriors and Raptors and LeBron stuff nonstop. What do you think sold out all the time? Kawhi. No, the Raptor stuff never sold. It was always the Golden State stuff. We had literally rows of the Raptor stuff. Rows of some... We had the Dino jerseys, everything. And always, kids would come in, oh, can I get Steph Curry jersey, eh? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Sold out, bro. Sorry. Oh, can you tell me when they come in? Here's my number. I'm like, all right, whatever. But Do you want this cool... This cool Kyle Lowry jersey. No, Raptors stink. Oh, all right, man. Way to way to believe in your country. But I'm believing in the country. Now all of a sudden everyone believes in them. Um, so we have about eight minutes to dissect two things. Do you want to go very quickly? Com- we covered it last week. We talked about Gerald McCoy and Sue, or two weeks ago. And I even asked you, is Sue getting 93, the number one in college? And you're like, yeah. And guess what? That pretty much motivated McCoy to Gerald McCoy to sign with the Panthers over the Browns and Ravens. So, especially because they handed him his number, like that was just disrespectful. Not disrespectful; it's a business. But I mean, have some thought process to him in Bay front office. So, quick thoughts on McCoy's fit with the Panthers, seeing him twice a year as a Bucks, as that Tampa will see, especially in Week Two, and then we can have a very quick discussion on this Kirk Cousins. So thoughts on McCoy to the Carolina? It's it's huge. Um, it gives it gives Carolina one of the deepest uh, in t- one of the deepest D line in their pass rush that I've seen. It's a championship type D line. I'm trying to find Evan Silva always tweets it out. Um, what it would look like? Let me see. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. But they have. Don Terry Poe. Let me just see what I can remember. Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy. They just drafted Brian Burns. They have... Yeah, I know. They just drafted Brian Burns, which you get Brian Burns one-on-one. I'm sorry. Like, um... Uh, wow. That's going to be tough for any deep, any tackle to stop because the bend... I know should get too caught up in the bend, but the dude is a freak. He could have played middle linebacker for the Florida State last year. Um, but... They added Gerald McCoy. They added Brian Burns. They added edge rusher Christian Miller, who played at Bama, finished second in sacks at Bama, and they added veteran edge rusher Bruce Irvin. And they also they also have Luke Kuechly and Shaq Thompson playing behind all of that. No one's going to be able to run the ball because that— 
all the offensive line is going to be preoccupied with everything that they're seeing up front between McCoy, Don Terry Poe. Oh, they have Kawan Short, um, I'm pretty sure is his name. And then you got Burns and um, Bruce Irvin. Like, Keekly is going to be making so many plays all over the place. I think you picked Carolina to win the Super Bowl last year. No. Yeah. Sorry to bring that up, but yeah. I think you might have just been a year early. What if, uh, dude, you know you will not find a bigger Cam Newton fan this side of this Mississippi than me. And I know I'm in the Mississippi where all the Carolina fans are and Auburn fans are and the Florida fans are. Shout out Florida fans, just joking. Um, he stole a laptop. Imagine if they went Tebow than Cam. That would have been tight. Even as a non-Gator fan, I'm like, that would have been pretty sweet. But he stole some laptops, I guess. Um, and then Auburn paid quarter million for him allegedly air quotes massive um but you're not worried about cam's shoulder at all no third third surgery not really not really no (sighs) i should be but i'm not okay why not um it's kind of more of a hunch than it is logic but I just feel better about it. I just, it, it just me inside the way that I've been seeing reports go and how he's throwing, but they're taking their time with it. The fact that they drafted, um, what's his name to back him up? Um, uh, is the West Virginia guy, Will Greer? West Virginia, my mama. Sorry. Take me home. Oh. No, it's all right. I country understand. Um, is that a country, but that I a country feel song like, or a folk song? Yeah. Oh, that's a good I'll question. Look it up. I would this is, this is very important. <laughs> I would, but with, <laughs> with getting Will Greer as a backup, I feel like they're not going to be as pressured to put Cam in as early. And I'm a big mental guy when it comes to these things. And if Cam's not feeling that pressure, he's going to be feeling better about his rehab. He knows that he has chances to – he has some safety cushion behind him. You have the best running back, the most versatile running back in the NFL in Christian McCaffrey. Him and and Saquon are the two most versatile backs in, in the NFL. As long as he gets some receiver help, I don't know. And finally, they got a defense that can maybe give them some short fields. This Panthers team's scary. I think they were just a. I think you were just a year off. And Cam is a. And is a is a MVP of this league. Mm. Mm. Like that doesn't just mm. go. That just doesn't go away. I'm sorry. People have been bashing on him way too long about this and that, but he is crazy accurate. He has one of the strongest arms in the NFL. And how do you tackle the dude if he comes downhill at you? Him running speed option with Christian McCaffrey is so much fun to watch. Some It's unfair. Something you just mentioned about his accuracy, great. We're not going to be able to talk about Kirk Cousins this podcast. The thing about the accuracy thing is, and I don't have the next-gen NFL stats in front of me, but the tight window throws. He hasn't really had a, the best. The one year he had the separation players and Ted Ginn, and Greg Olson was in his prime. He won the MVP and threw for a boatload of yards. Now he has speedsters. He, he doesn't have... He always needs at least one like basketball-type player to go up and get him. Devin Funches. Now I think I, I think he has the right pieces around him. But you have, do you still have the depth chart in front of you? No, I don't. I can pull it up real quick, okay. though. It, why do you do that? Can you... Tell me, very to end this, how comfortable are you with that offensive line? Let me tell you. Um, here we go. 2019 Carolina Panthers. Um, starting at left tackle, Taylor Motten. Left guard, Greg Van Rotten. Center, Matt Paradis. Right guard, Trey Turner. Right tackle, Daryl Williams. Um, Matt Paradis was a center for... Denver. He was a free agent that signed with them. Um, and if I think upgrading center is one of the most important things that you can do mm-hmm. for a team. And Matt Paradis is all that in a bag of chips. So I'm 
I'm cool with it. I'm good. I like I said, I th- I think this defense will carry them far enough. They have help. You know, they still got Eric Reed. They got Dante Jackson on the back end. Um, Shaq Thompson, Luke Keekley, Brian Burns, Cheryl McCoy, Don Terry Poe, Bruce Irvin. They still have Vernon Butler. They have Kawan Short. They have Mario Addison. They are literally eight, nine deep on this D-line, plus two of the best linebackers in the NFL, like two of the best combo linebackers. Sign me up, man. Like I'm, I was a heavy, heavy, heavy Saints lean last year. If you listen to the podcast at all, I might be a heavy, heavy, heavy Carolina Panther lean this year. Love it. Love it. You know I love the Panthers. So, Noah ran through that NBA talk. This flew by, my man. We'll be back next week. Thanks for hopping on, though. Thanks for having me. It's always awesome being on the No Ordinary Pod. Very good. We'll be back next week. We're going to talk. We'll we'll try to be back. I mean, the finals could be over on Monday. We'll probably we'll try to be back Tuesday night, Wednesday night. If it's the finals start going on Thursday, we'll be back Wednesday night. If they're if they're going on another night, we'll we'll figure it out. But we'll be back next week. We'll talk NBA Finals. We'll talk a little free agency summer preview because stuff's gonna hit the fan with basketball. It's gonna be a crazy, crazy summer with trades. We'll talk OT. We'll talk football camps, and most importantly, people. Kirk Cousins, baby. Because I have thoughts. Not thoughts. But this is the year for Kirk. And if he can't do it this year, then everything we've ever said is just just put on the tombstone. So that'll be it. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Norony Pod on the Radio St. Pete Network.